Rob Cordry and musical guest Eleni Mandel will be joining Kevin for his next live show in Los Angeles this Friday, May 26th, 7 p.m. at Nerd Melt. Tickets are only $10. That's right, $10 for Kevin McDonald, Rob Cordry, and Eleni Mandel. You don't want to miss this one, folks. So go get your tickets at nerdmeltla.com or on Kevin's page at foreverdogpodcast.com. Today's show is brought to you by Casper.com. Yay! Receive $50 towards any mattress purchase. Mattress purchase, yay! At www.caspertrial.com slash Kevin McDonald. We're also sponsored by WarbyParker.com. Get a free five-day home try-on at www.warbyparkertrial.com slash Kevin McDonald. Five pairs, five days, 100% free. If you're a fan of Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and rate and review us. Be mean, be cruel. All right, put your hands together. For Forever Dogs, Kevin McDonald, Kevin McDonald Show! It's a podcast. I have to speak to Mike. Thank you! Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I, <laughs> I th- I thank you very much. Um, as you all know from listening to my podcast, um, uh, traditionally the announcer of the show uh, comes out and introduces me. <laughs> oh, you don't all know that? Right, right. No one listens to my podcast. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, ve- I'm very sorry. Uh, sorry about that. Um, uh, well, if you did listen... Uh, you would uh, know that usually the announcer comes out, uh, tells a couple of bad jokes that I write for him, um, and introduces me. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the regular announcer tonight, um, and so I've been spending the last few weeks um, auditioning younger actors to be the announcer. Yes, I've been seeing kids of 46, 47, <laughs> looking for just the right one. Um, I didn't realize just how hard it would be. Uh, I, and for the opposite reason, you would think, these up-and-coming kids today in their mid-40s are so talented. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I just, there was, it was hard to choose. And then on the last day of auditions, um, I, I, I got a few younger uh, babies in their 30s. Um, and I, 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 I saw some great people, but there was more than one great... There, there was a few great people, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know which one to hire, but I had to make a decision. It was, you know, showtime is now. Um, uh, so I hope you like my choice. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we here at Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald's Show are very proud to present, fresh from weeks of auditions, your announcer... Announcing 
at Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show. Man, what a crowd! You guys are hot. Someone turn up the air conditioning. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I am so. Excuse me. I am so excited to introduce the host of our show tonight, Mr. Kevin McDonald. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, and, and thank you, announcer. Um, and I'm very excited. I'm very excited to have you as my new announcer. Thank you very much. Not half as excited as I am. <laughs> You know, you're a great kid. If you don't mind, let's go off book for a second. Uh, I know we didn't rehearse this, uh, but, but we're in such a great theater. Um, what do you think of this fantastic theater? I want to hear your thoughts. It's I such like an amazing theater. space. I like the it's huge. It's a really cool bar. Good. The chandelier is gorgeous. Really I just nice love and and it. So, yeah. Excellent insight. Thank you very much, announcer. Thank you. Uh, well, I think it's time to start the show. Hey, wait a second, Kevin. That's my job. <laughs> right, sorry, sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Kevin McDonald and the Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I see the problem. Thank you. Thank you, my new and excellent announcer. Thank you very much. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for coming down to this great festival and even watching my show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming to see me, a minor comedy celebrity. Um, you know, it's true. I'm the kind of celebrity that people stare at in airports um, they're trying to figure out who I am. Was I their teacher in college? <laughs> the man from the IRS who audited them in 1987? Well, let's face it, all kids in the hall fans are 41 and just have girlfriends. Uh, none of them have ever been married uh, and have never even got to third base, uh, frankly. Uh, and of course, we were on TV many, many years ago, so even they're aging. The other day, a, uh, a man with a walker who was around 84, 85 came up to me and said, I grew up watching you in college. <laughs> We used to get high watching your sketches. I'm introducing them to my girlfriend. I've never touched a female body. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I understand the kind of celebrity I am. Yes, I'm the guy that you saw on that thing that you saw on TV back in college. Yes. I know you grew up watching me Though I clearly see you're over 45 Which just makes me old, obviously And yes, I admit I never finished college I was too busy always working on just being a 
moderately successful Semi-popular comedian I know that I'm a vaguely familiar guy Curly hair, voice that's high Irritatingly high You can't place me Some guy from TV Oh, maybe I'm Screech from Say by the Bell Or Polly Shore Or Polly Shore's older brother Or the funny guy from Beverly Hills 90210 Oh wait, there wasn't a funny guy from Beverly Hills 90210 Am I Norm MacDonald? I'm surely not Joe Piscopo A 50-ish year old guy Who had a 1990s cult TV show Did not want to be number one Had my eyes set on number 49 I think I almost got that job done I'm the 985th most popular comic in America now Could be worse Could be a lot worse Like a guy who does commercials Cause he did some movies in the 80s At least I don't do commercials Cause I'm not big enough Bravo for me If you see me in an airport at gate three. Please stare at me till you figure out where you know me from. What TV show you saw me on. What cartoon my voice has annoyed you some. And if you don't figure out, just keep staring. That will make me very comfortable. And then ask me what you see me on, forcing me to list my credits with you saying no after everything I list. Hey, what have I seen you on? I don't know. Was it Seinfeld? No. The 70s Show? No. Epic Movie? No. Lilo and Stitch? No. My 30-second appearance in Galaxy Quest? No. That Outcast video? No. I coordinated Jim with Jim Belushi. He came to the set with a gun one day? You're just a guy who's making me late for my play. We are scientists! We are scientists! More of them later! Uh, thank you. Um, but my quest to be a minor celebrity was never the major force driving me. Uh, as attractive as that is, uh, no, it was always about the comedy. I fell in love with comedy at an early age. I still remember um, my first joke. This is true, you'll know, because it's not a good one. Um, my first joke that ever got a laugh in public, uh, it was in grade four science class. Mrs. McKenzie was my teacher. She was teaching us about pith balls. Does anyone remember pith balls? I'm the only one. 
<laughs> Pith balls, a device for measuring electrostatic impulses that come from stem of certain plants. I did not know that in grade four. I read that in Wikipedia last night. Um, but in the middle of uh, my science class, Mrs. McKenzie said, and where do pith balls come from, Mr. McDonald? And what did I say? What was my first joke? I got a laugh in a room full of people. Where do pith balls come from? I said, I don't know, Mrs. McKenzie. Pittsburgh? <laughs> Pittsburgh, boom, yes! First joke, don't hate me, audience. I was nine years old and probably on the spectrum. I'm off now. <laughs> Two years later, uh, the school, thinking that I'd be interested, asked me to participate in the school board public speaking contest. I made it to the finals uh, telling my funny story uh, about the community house league football team that I played on and how we made the championship game that year. And we were playing at the professional football stadium. You know the Canadian team, Toronto Argos? Yes. Thank you, 18 people. Um, <laughs> We were playing at the Toronto Argonaut Stadium, and uh, we were so lucky we were going to have the Toronto Argonaut announcer that day. So if you made a good play, he would announce your name on the loudspeaker. Now, the 11-year-old girl that I had a crush on, um, Beth Kenny, was coming to the game, and I swore before the game to all my teammates that I was going to at least have one great play and that my name would be announced for Beth Kenny to hear. And I did. I did have my name announced. I did. Kevin McDonald is the injured player. Kevin McDonald is the injured player. Uh, yes, I got hurt in the huddle. <laughs> I, I got hurt in the huddle. <laughs> when we all said, and break! Ah! I got hurt. The big guy next to me hit me in the ribs, bruising them. Um, Kevin McDonald is the injured player. He was hurt in the huddle. The huddle. I've never heard of that before. Run, Beth Kenny, run! The huddle! True story. Uh, now, every time I told that story, I got big laughs. Um, I was hooked. I was going to be a comedian. And I guess you could say uh, that I got my sense of humor from my dad. Yes, he was a funny, miserable, violent alcoholic. <laughs> uh, but he was what I call funny by accident. He hated all the comedians I loved. He hated Woody Allen, Monty Python, Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, Lily Tomlin. Hated them. Uh, <clears throat> then one night, my mother and sister went to the mall... My dad and I were alone in the house. I was 15. He came to me, and he was a little drunk, and he said, hey, kid, guess what? Tonight's the night you're going to try beer. <laughs> what? Really? I was so excited. My dad and I were going to bond, and I would drink beer for the first time. He brought a beautiful bottle of beer and two glasses down on a golden tray. <laughs> he poured a little into my glass, wild with anticipation. I, I, I took the glass and had my first sip of beer. I immediately disliked it, spat it back in the glass, and said, that's awful, I hate beer. He looked at me with sad eyes and said, oh yeah? Well, Woody Allen's a fag. <laughs> like I hurt the feelings of his girlfriend, Beer. <laughs> Here's another funny thing my dad once said while, while drunk at a party. Uh, it's 2017, so I may be arrested, but my dad really said this, so here I go. It was a birthday party that his second wife, Susan, gave for her Jewish friend, Judy. Uh-oh. <laughs> it was a big party. Uh, Judy's parents and family were all there, as well as all her friends. My dad kept going to the washroom a lot, uh, which meant that he probably had hidden a vodka bottle in his pants. Crotch-sized vodka bottles. My dad loved them. 
uh, then after one of the bathroom visits with his vodka bottle, uh, he came out. Uh, the room was quiet. My dad was drunk and loud, and he said, All I know is the Jews must have done something pretty bad to get the Nazis that mad at them. <laughs> what? What? Why is everybody yelling at me? Why is everybody throwing things? Come on, Kevin, we talked about this. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Uh, my first job, having leaving, uh, after leaving my dad, uh, was at a movie usher. Uh, I was the funny usher. Uh, I ushered E.T. I ushered E.T. Uh, my movie theater was in a large suburban mall that had many, thi- many stores in it. On uh, one crowded Friday night, this is my funny usher story. I'm ending with this. I don't know why. Uh, there was a large lineup for the 9.45 showing of E.T., but the 7.10 show was running an hour late. Uh, so it was 10 o'clock, and there were 237 angry people who had been in lineup for an hour. They were, they were very, very angry. The frightened manager came to me and said, hey, you're the funny usher. Go out and entertain them uh, until we let them in the movie. I didn't know what to do. I was also the coward usher. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what to do at first, but my mother had asked me to buy something at the mall grocery store, um, on my break. Um, so I watched the lineup of 237 angry E.T. people uh, who all instantly started complaining when they saw me. I held up the sign that said Theater 2 E.T. written on it and said to the crowd, follow me, E.T. people. They, they happily followed me. But were a little confused when we started moving away from the movie theater. I'm not sure with 237 people behind them, we walked down the mall for three minutes until we got to the large grocery store uh, I bellowed, this way, E.T. people! And 237 people followed me up and down every aisle. <laughs> True story. Till we got to the canned food section. I picked up the can of tuna fish that my mother wanted. Uh, it was on sale. My mother would like that it was on sale. Um, uh, more mercury poisoning, less money, Kevin. Get that one. And then 237 people and an usher lined up in an express line where I paid for one can of tuna to a very confused cashier. When we got back, the theater with E.T. was ready, we had killed time, and bought my mom her cheap, poisonous tuna. Funny usher and practical. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Kevin McDonald. (laughs) Hilarious story, Kevin. Just hilarious. I, I like, like the, the part, part where the uh, E.T. thing. Yeah, that with was, the so <laughs> you were like, oh, the so Thank you very much. Part. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. But Kevin, Kevin your real, real field of expertise is sketch comedy. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. that. I studied improv with Del Close for a few years after his death and learned a lot. But I know virtually nothing about sketch comedy. Please teach me. Well, you know, announcer, and you're a good kid. You really are. I do know a little bit about sketch comedy, but we're actually... Very lucky here tonight to have a real expert who can uh, help me out, I think, a lot more than I can help myself out. Would you like to meet him? You know it! Wow! (laughs) (laughs) All right then, announcer, and ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of the kings of sketch comedy, and maybe just comedy, uh, or a viceroy of comedy, uh, Mr. Mike Myers! (laughs) 
One, two, check. Test one, two. Can you hear me? Yeah. Y'all ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Sketch comedy. A mysterious and yet ponderous art form, full of paradoxes and paradigms, full of nuances and conflicting theories, full of things and stuff. In exploration of the art form that is sketch comedy, we would now like to perform our take on the classic sketch archetype. The job interview sketch. Job interview sketch. Job interview sketch. Job interview sketch. Yes, the job interview sketch. Job interview sketch. Okay, thank you. Yes, the classic job interview sketch has been performed in its different permutations or permutations by sketch troops for thousands of years. It was first performed in ancient Greece by the early sketch troupe Three Sheep and a Girl. History indicates that during the third performance of the sketch, it started going very wrong, <laughs> causing a battle that killed hundreds. It's been performed ever since by such practitioners of sketch comedy as Abbott and Costello. They performed their classic job interview sketch at the Hollywood Bowl on June 10th, 1946, until it started going very wrong, <laughs> causing a battle that killed hundreds. But the timeless concept of the job interview sketch has been perfected over the years and can now be performed with very few casualties. <laughs> this sketch has, of course, branched out into all different kinds of on-the-job sketches. The most famous being the type of sketch where the boss comes into an office and chews out his employee. Erickson, who is sitting behind his desk. Oh. This sketch always ends with the boss saying, and for Christ's sake, Erickson, stand up. To which the very short Erickson replies, but I am standing. <laughs> it says Mike has to stop for a second and laugh at this classical joke. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh, does the fun ever start? But it all started with the job interview sketch, and now... We at Kevin McDonald's, Kevin McDonald's show, are proud to present our version of the job interview sketch. Job interview sketch. Thank you. Thank you. It says voiceover. First, the actor playing the young man enters. Round of applause, it says in the script. The... Young man is extremely nervous as he badly needs this job and hopes that he presents himself very well in the interview. Oh boy, I'm nervous. I'm really, really nervous. Sure am nervous. You may notice that the young man is being played by a much older actor. <laughs> this is due to the age of the comedian whose show this is and is not intended to confuse the audience. Boy, am I a young guy who's nervous. Well, it's time for the interview to start. Better knock on the door. Knock, knock. Knock, knock, knock. Well, that's strange. Better just go inside the office then. Nothing wrong about going inside the office of a boss you've never met when he's not there. 
And the actor playing the boss is now introduced. He is, of course, a gruff but warm-hearted. There's no boss. There's no boss. Oh, dear. There's no one there. Where's the boss? You can't do a job interview sketch without the boss. Very good. Until the sketch gets back on track, the actor portraying the young man is not panicking. He is looking for the boss, even though the boss could not possibly be in the drawer of a desk. But it kills time and maybe gets a few laughs along the way. Or maybe not. Well done, actor playing young man. But seriously, where's the boss? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Big, big, big fan? Okay. Sorry. Okay. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, the boss. You can't have a job interview sketch without one. Okay. All right. I'm very sorry. He's not very good. The boss seems to be in the wrong office. Yeah. He's in the place for the Can I Get a Raise sketch, which is the sequel to the job interview sketch. Then let's see, um, how is the young man doing? Uh, I can't feel left arm, tasting pennies. My, my heart, my heart. Oh dear, the aging actor playing the young man is either improvising badly or pretending to have a heart attack. Or actually having one. We can't keep this up for much longer. Maybe the boss is faring better. My heart? I'm smelling toast? Is that a stroke? I don't know. I smell gas? Well, I'm very sorry. Both of you can't be having heart attacks. (laughs) My arm. Okay, you're just going to have to find a way to start the job interview sketch. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have... A terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Good work. (laughs) Actor playing young man. We may now begin the job interview sketch. Job interview sketch! Stop it. (laughs) Start the sketch, gentlemen. You're all ready, and we're all very excited to see it. And read from your scripts. Sit down, Peterson. I'm very busy. What is it you want? Pleased to meet you, sir. My name is Peterson. Well, Peterson... I guess you've been working here for a year and a half now. Yes, I read your ad in the paper, and I would love to work here, sir. (laughs) The the opportunities of this job sound so exciting. 
Uh, but don't give me that, uh, Phillips. You have a lovely wife. And I don't think she would ever put you up to asking for a raise. <laughs> yes, sir. As a matter of fact, I have a fiancé. I love her and hope one day that we will get married. Oh, no. Young man is doing the job interview sketch while the boss seems to be doing the stuck in the can I get a raise sketch. Sometimes it's very hard to do a good job interview sketch and I just sincerely hope that hundreds don't die. Oh, my heart, my arm hurts. Okay, stop it. It smells like my toast. Stop it. Toast? Stop it. Okay. Guys, think of something. What would three sheep and a girl do? Oh, uh, what is it you wanted to see me about, Mr. Fiddlepuss? What? First, let me just say that I sure do love my job here and plan to continue to keep working here for years and years. Oh, right, right, Phillips. Well, this is the hardest part of the job. (laughs) Excellent work. Um, They've successfully found their way to the we're going to have to let you go sketch. The final sketch in the job interview, Can I Get a Raise trilogy. But uh, I'm afraid that due to our budget cuts, we're going to have to let you go. <sighs> Good sigh. You, you can't fire me, sir. I quit. It seems, however, that Mr. McDonald hasn't finished writing this sketch yet. <laughs> and thus, there is no ending or middle or jokes. Therefore, our actors are stuck. Resort to cheap laughs, gentlemen. This is an emergency. I, re- I repeat, resort to cheap laughs. This is an emergency. Uh, hearts, heart, hearts, hearts, hearts. Not that one. Not that one. No, no. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Yes. Well played. Yeah. Well played, gentlemen. A good old-fashioned cheap kids in the hall sex on a table ending. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Stellar work. Stellar work. Join Mr. McDonald in his next podcast when he continues to push the boundaries of sketch comedy by performing a doctor-patient underwater sketch. I thank you. For you, the listeners of Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show, Casper is offering $50 towards any mattress purchase at Casper.com. The Casper mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's got just the right sink, just the right bounce. It's made up of two technologies, latex foam and memory foam. They come together for a life well slept. The Casper mattress is now the most awarded mattress of the decade. So what are you waiting for? Go get one! To receive $50 towards any mattress purchase, go to www.caspertrial.com slash McDonald. Again, that's www.caspertrial.com slash McDonald for $50 towards any mattress purchase. We're also sponsored by Warby Parker! Warby Parker is offering Kevin McDonald Show listeners with a free five-day home try-on to give you the opportunity to check out their glasses. 
Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. Their home try-on program allows customers to order five pairs of glasses to be shipped directly to them where they can try them on in the comfort of their own home and get feedback from friends, family, colleagues. Users can keep the frames for five days before sending them back free using the prepaid returning shipping label with no obligation to purchase. To get your home try-on today, go to www.warbyparkertrial.com slash Kevin McDonald. That was fun. I'm going to do it again. That's warbyparkertrial.com slash Kevin McDonald for your free five-day home try-on. I'm uh, very uh, excited to have you here. Thank you. This isn't at all stilted. I, I have robot hands. I'm talking to you like I haven't known you for many, many years. Yes. Uh, can, I, uh, can I say this? Uh, Mike and I met when we were teenagers. You were 17, I was 19. I remember things like this. Uh, it was your first Second City workshop, right? Uh, That's right, yeah, yeah. Our first workshop. Uh, uh, a quick little story. Even though we're excited to have Mike Myers here, I'm going to talk. Um, it was... Uh, uh, no, 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 no. No. Uh... Uh, Mike grew up in Scarborough, the other end of Toronto. I grew up in Mississauga, the other other end of Toronto. Uh, and in Mississauga, I thought I was the funniest guy I know. There was a guy named Glenn Ford, not the famous actor. He was funny, but not as funny as me. And I had this gunfighter theory that I was the funniest gunfighter. And then uh, in the first class, I saw that Mike could outdraw me. and was the, the, the funniest. Uh, but that's not the story. I'm ad-libbing now. Here's the story. Uh, Mike and I were shy at first because everybody else was over 30. And um, this is not even leading to a question. Um... This is more of a political statement now, right? <laughs> Part of your manifesto. Yes. I'll shut up soon. It was a six-week session, and then uh, the beginning of third class, uh, Mike came to me uh, with a driven look in his eyes, and he said, you know what, Kevin? I'm going to start volunteering. I'm paying a fortune for this workshop, $60. And then uh, he performed, and it was good. That's my story. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, nowhere near a question. No. Oh, here's a question. Uh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> You were 17. What made you go to Second City so young? Did you know you were good? Did it, was that just a coincidence? Uh, what, what, what? What? No, I'm the youngest. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm a little heavy. This scared the shit out of me. But, um, I'm the youngest of three boys, and my brothers were super funny, and I wanted to be funny too. And my mom uh, was at work. Uh, she, she worked in an aerosol can factory, which is not hard when you're a pseudo-intellectual child going, you're ruining the earth, man. But anyways, that's where she worked, and the company had a party, and she said, I saw somebody who's very funny, Martin Short. She said, oh, you're a young Martin Short, Michael. And that's it. So I went and I saw, you know, and I went, I'd love to do that one day. Is it a coincidence that you happen to be very funny? Like Bob Dylan, he just wanted to be a Woody Guthrie, and then he ended up being a great songwriter, but it was a coincidence. Is it a coincidence you were funny? Did you want to be a comedian before you even knew you were funny? I'm fascinated by this. <laughs> Sorry. I want my dad to come pick me up now. <laughs> Sorry. Should I re-ask the question? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, I, I come from Canada. We produce comedians and hockey players and boxite. And I thought, 
I don't know how to come up with the necessary components in the making of aluminum. And um, I ankle skate. And uh, I'm the child of uh, English immigrants who didn't want to spend the money on the gear, the hockey gear. So I only started to really skate in uh, Los Angeles. I was 30, and I took power skating. I was, I was just humiliated. But you're from Canada. And I was like, yeah, I know, and I suck. What do you want from me? Um, do you still skate? I do, yeah, I love it. And my, my son's going to be skating now. He's going to play hockey. And it's my daughter, too, yeah. Um, but I, I just, I, I loved comedy. You know, uh, my dad was from England, and Peter Sellers and Python were just gods in our house. And I was like, you know, our house was like, uh, you know, we grew up in government-assisted housing in Scarborough. And it was nice, though. I didn't ever felt, I didn't think I was a Rockefeller, but I never thought I was poor, which is, one of the nice things about growing up in Canada is that we don't have a fear of big government. We have an insistence on good government. Crazy. Right on. Right on. No, it's true. And, uh, but when in my house, there was a, like if Young Frankenstein came on, it even felt like the house smelled better. You know? And there was a general truce afterwards. But you, uh, you were also like a child performer, right? I remember mean, yeah. you told me you had your actor card. When I first met you, you already had your actor card. I started acting at the age of uh, six. Gilda Radner played my mom in a TV commercial. Really? Yeah. Wow. For British Columbia Hydro. And, and the... I don't know. Hydroelectrics, as we call it in Canada. Hydro. And, um, Was she nice? That's a stupid question. I but fell in love with her, and I cried on the last day, for which I then became known as Sucky Baby. I <laughs> Thank you, Gilda. Which, to this day, my brother Paul, who's in his 50s, as am I, if I get too full of myself, he'll go, yes, sucky baby. And I'll go, shut up, you shut up. And then I realize I'm the father of three children. And I have a company and stuff. But, um, but I was sucky baby. And I took tap dancing lessons, so I was also tippy toes for a while. That's uh, right, I remember, yeah. I remember seeing tippy toes. Were you on Junior Boogie? I was on, it was a, a Canadian okay. TV show called Junior Boogie. Thanks for letting me um, know what it was. I keep forgetting yes. that they're here. Or as my mom called it, Boogie. <laughs> and I had to go and get a, I had to get disco, I hated disco, but it was like a chance to be on TV. And uh, I had to go into the Jamaican part of Toronto, you know, Bathurst and Bloor. Right. And I went in there and my mom says, we have to get you a Boogie hat, Michael. <laughs> And my mom went into a store that was like just filled with pot smoke and it was Rastafarian and it was like, my mom said, I didn't know this music very well. And said, excuse me, young man, my son would like a bougie hat. <laughs> to which the Jamaican guy went, ah, 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 I read my note. And the whole family came out to look at me. <laughs> the little blood clock came in here with the mom with the bougie hat. And I was like, hmm, I'd like to die now. <laughs> and I did it, but I was terrible at it. And the producer said, uh, are your parents forcing you to do this? <laughs> and uh, I remember his name. His name was Vlad Handera. Good name. That came from my ankles, that memory. <laughs> and he said, you know, loosen up, Mike, loosen up up there. So it was, remember, everybody was kung fu fighting. Yes. So he said, you know, dance the next one. It's called Dance the Kung Fu. So I said, okay. But I had no microphone technique. I still may not have any microphone technique. But I said, ladies and gentlemen. And I went, that kung fu. For which my third nickname was Ants Ung Oo. Because on TV it was Ants Ung Oo. 
And so uh, when I got hired for Second City, my brother was like, where'd it go, Anton Ooh? And I was like, I don't know. Is this Paul? He's, he's sounding kind of mean. Peter. Oh, Peter. 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 Peter Paul's right. kinder. Paul's kinder. I've already asked that. Uh, I've, I've been thinking about you a lot. <laughs> oh. And all these memories. I remember some of your shtick. Do you remember uh, you used to do, uh, you used to speak French in a Scottish accent? Yeah. That was the wildest thing I'd ever seen in my life. You don't have to do it. I'm not like... I'll do it. Can you... Do you so... Uh, Some nous sur la bonne route pour Paris, eh? Quand j'étais jeune, je préfère beaucoup de choses, mais pas maintenant. I'm not kidding. Ah oui. C'est la vérité. Ah oui. Very kind, very kind. I'm remembering all this stick. I also remember uh, you did the Carmen Miranda Law. Remember that? <laughs> did you know what the Miranda Law is? You have the right to remain it's, silent? She'll have the right to remain silent. <laughs> and then I, yeah, yeah, that's right. God, I don't remember. Yeah. All okay. these memories are uh, flooding yeah. uh, <laughs> back to Next you're going to tell me I killed a drifter. Remember yeah. when you killed a drifter? Yeah, all right. I do. And I just, it was pretty funny how you did it, though. He wasn't going anywhere in his life. <laughs> Come on! It's not like I killed Einstein. Uh, this is boring. One, but I also remember you were going to make a short film called "I'm Brilliant and I Wear a Red Scarf." This is amazing. My memory. Do you remember that? I have no recollection. So I could be making it up. I always wore a red scarf because I am. Any Liverpool fans? Uh, yeah. Liverpool Football Club. Anybody oh. who hates Liverpool who can go fuck themselves right now. <laughs> Just curious. Just curious if there's anybody. Everton fans? Are there Everton fans? No. True. No. Just. Anti-Liverpool. What teams do you... Why would you support Chelsea and the Russians? <laughs> I hope you can sleep at night. <laughs> Comrade. It's owned by a Russian. Exactly, very Russian. How old were you when Second City hired you? Were you 18, 17? Um, I auditioned for Second City um, when I was 18, and on my last day of high school, I had just turned 19, and I got hired. And am I remembering correctly that you were also, I'm giving you a serious look for some reason, like it's going to matter. You were also, uh, you had just got selected to be in Ryerson for a yes. film study. Um, really? No, York University. On York, I'm sorry, day. why did yeah. I say Ryerson? Okay, I was wrong. But, uh, but, but York University. Well, it your... could be Ryerson if you want. And it must have been a big, th- yeah, I would like it to be Ryerson. <laughs> like, it's my last exam was at 9 o'clock. Uh, my audition for Second City was at 1 o'clock. I got hired at 3 o'clock. Oh, I went God. home to tell my parents at 5 o'clock. And I saw that I'd been accepted to York University Fine Arts Film. Was it a big decision? This is exciting. Was it a big decision? You mean like the decision for you to switch to non-caffeinated coffee? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Is it like that? Just like that, Kevin. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be. I wanted to be uh, Canada's answer to John Cassavetes, even though Canada or the world is not asking Canada to have that. I did want to be Canada's answer. I wanted to make, uh, I wanted to be a very serious filmmaker. I wanted to be Francois Truffaut. Then my two heroes were Francois Truffaut and Peter Sellers. So, that's it. I'm so interested by boring things, but here I go. Like, did you take a week to decide, a day to decide? Or no, I, I right was away, like, you are you kidding? Second. I'm hired. I'm, <laughs> I'm an employed person. Are you kidding? And isn't that the youngest person that's still to this day? Catherine O'Hara was, I'm the youngest male supposedly but Catherine O'Hara I think was 17 or something. Oh. so she couldn't actually legally play in a lot of the places that she went to oh wow 
Yeah. Sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. My <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mic work. Um, uh, question, question. Uh, I, I don't have to do an order here. Well, let's jump, uh, let's jump ahead. Let's screw this okay. for a second. You've, uh, you've, the directed, you've directed a movie. All of my films will be in pill form in the future. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped too far ahead. It's okay. too far ahead. Right, right. With a jetpack, yeah. I'll get to the set quicker. How about that? So I'm old enough now that when 1980 happened and I didn't get a fucking jetpack. <laughs> didn't you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember the day you didn't get a jetpack. Yeah, yeah. That. It should be in your notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What it's was your question, Kevin? I'm sorry. Well, uh, and you've, you directed a, a documentary. I did. Before I ask you how was that, um, is that the first thing you've done? Like, since you were interested in directing, mm. were you ever tempted to direct a Wayne's World, a Austin Powers? Uh, no. Penelope Spheres is a fantastic director. Absolutely. I was thrilled to work with her. Absolutely. Jay Roach is a genius, and I, I, I learned at the hem of his garment. Yes. And, um, you know... Will we see more directing now? Before? Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and uh, what are they in books they would call nonfiction? Script, but is it like scripted movies or more documentaries? Or uh... I do nonfiction movies. Yeah, nonfiction. <laughs> yeah. I don't. And know. periodicals. <laughs> All of my work is based on the Dewey Decimal System. Actually, <laughs> just funny. Once when I was drunk, I forgot the word poet, and somebody asked me, uh, "What's uh, Larry doing now?" And I said, oh, "He's a poem writer." I for- <laughs> That's funny. I forgot the word uh, uh, ankle. Ankle. I said he broke his uh, foot wrist. <laughs> was the best that came out. Foot wrist. It's like as if I... Uh, I guess soldier and shoulder mixed up. Oh, I heard my soldier today. And oh. no one knows. Then they think I'm making a bad joke, but it's not really... The... Oh, so tell me about the movie you directed. Uh, it's a documentary that it, yeah, took years and a, years? Yeah, so um, it's a movie. It did. It took two years, but my son had just been born, so I was able to work out of my house. Which is what I wanted to do. I also wrote a book during that time too. Yes. Well, we're, ta- we're, we're no, yeah, talking yeah, about that. We're going to get. Oh, to that. we're going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. Oh, mm. uh, um, so um, in Wayne's World, um, Alice Cooper's in Wayne's World, and his manager is a guy named Shep Gordon. And Shep Gordon is—he um, was—he basically—he's an ethical hedonist. He's a progressive <laughs> capitalist. Um, he didn't have a wiki page until I made the movie on him, so he's kind of like this guy, which is kind of like being invisible, almost, if you're responsible for that much entertainment, as he has been for the last 40 years. Uh, he invented the celebrity chef. Really? Yeah, because he loved... Sorry, really? Really? Yeah. Really, sorry. Yeah. And um, he, um, he's just this fascinating guy, but the main thing I wanted to do is I wanted to make a movie about somebody and prove the theory that you can have a, make a wonderful living and still be a nice person, which is the only thing I really wanted to point out, because he's just, <laughs> in different times in my life that you know, are, were painful and whatnot, he was there for me and, and like a lot of my friends and stuff. And he, uh, he almost died during the making of it. Uh, he got, uh, what's it, is Barry, are you here? With an aortic, aneurysm. In, uh, thank you, aortic aneurysm in his, uh, his gut. Don't blind me with science, dude, you know? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a layman, you know? I make, I make the funnies, I'm not, you know, um, in his gut. And um, thank you, Barry, so glad, thank you. Um, anyways, um, and I thought, what do you give the man who has everything? I thought, give him the microphone. So I thought I'd make a movie about him. That's so nice and amazing. Yeah. 
I'll see it, I promise. I'm a bad person. I'll see Thank it. you. I'll, I'll see it. Thank you. Available on Amazon. <laughs> I've always wondered this. Uh, what gave you, it's such an inspired idea. What made you <laughs> quit Second City and move to London? England. England, yes. London, Ontario. Because you were there for the Second yeah, City, right? Yeah, because I love the London Knights. <laughs> and uh, it's near Stratford. And uh, could take the go train there. See Heath Lambert's. Yeah. So is it all, the, all the big stories are there. Um, now, I went to London because I, I, uh, I'm a citizen because of my parents. And um, I wanted to be in the land of Peter Sellers and, and uh, Python and... Uh, all the shows that we got to, even Benny Hill. I love Benny Hill a lot. Yes. I know it's sort of not cool to admit that. Or the goodies, or the Ealing comedies, or any of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, Hancock, all of the great British comedians. And uh, I just decided I would just go and... Um, but you quit Second City. You were in Second City main stage, right? Yeah, but you it's, guys... It's I'll tell place. you why. Because yes. I was looking at what you guys were doing at the Kids in the Hall, and I'm like, that's cool shit. You know what I mean? Uh, when I saw... When I, I used to go to their shows and just go, fuck, I didn't think of that. Well, you, were in our, you were in a couple of our shows. Yeah, yeah that was fun. And Dave I was, and I wanted him in the troupe. Uh, Mark McKinney wanted a guy who wasn't funny, uh, who could act, Scott Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce wanted less people. Bruce wanted me out. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you went, uh, so you went to London, and, and Malarkey Myers was the coolest thing ever. Uh, I think he was in a comedy double, double act with a guy who was the president of the Cambridge Footlights. And... Um, I just, happened to, I just happened to see Cambridge Footlights, and I remember that Python had started with the Cambridge Footlights. And I went up and I said, uh, can I do something with you guys? And they said, yes, we need someone for the box office. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll do that. And I didn't even know the money. <laughs> so I was like, and evidently it's different sizes, and they're very anal about it. And, and it's UB40 cards and unemployment benefit 40 cards that, you know, so of course concessions might. I'm like, I don't know. You've got hot pretzels, concessions? What the fuck is concessions? I'm an OAP mate, you know, old age pensioner. Anyways, but they didn't have any seats and it was freezing. And at that time, I used to be super fucking skinny when I was, even when I was on Saturday Night Live, I look at it and go, wow, that's Batan Death March skinny, dude. That's crazy skinny, right? And no offense to anybody who was on the Batan Death March. Right? No offense. In Canada, it's a source of huge jokes. <laughs> That's all you have to do is whip out Baton Death March, and it's a fucking good night. Um, and so I was wrapped in like 10 scarves, and they didn't have a proper seat. They only had a prop wheelchair. So I was sitting there like this, freezing. <laughs> like fucking Twiggy on an iceberg. And... They're like, what do you do? The cast, they're all like well-heeled English people with posh accents. And I was like, hi, I'm from Canada. Right? And I said, well, I was at Second City. We know Second City. What are you doing here? Like this, like I'm an asshole. And I said, uh, I just wanted to meet you guys and whatever. And then they would go, well, we're off for a drink. I'll see you later. And they'd leave and I'd go, sure, walk away. Wish I could. <laughs> and they said, would you like to have a drink? None of it's just because you feel bad for me. <laughs> and then I met one of them and we formed a double act. And it was great. I, you, uh, you guys did Neil a Malarkey. show the Rivoli for a week, right? Yeah. yeah I remember that. It we was tried so to clever. make it a Kids in the Hall style show. Oh, no. It was, it was, it was totally different. It was so clever. It was, uh, it was part filmed, right? Is it back <laughs> like, there? Like you would tell you it's back there. <laughs> 
Like you had a film, right? And then you yeah. would talk to yourselves? Oh, yeah. We projected a Super 8 film, but we shot a big thing of whiteboard so we could walk into the film and be projected into the film. It's sort it was of brilliant. so clever. It was sort of, it was sort you of brilliant. You had to be there. It was sort of brilliant. It was, it was fun. It was good. And we dubbed it live. Then, what, what made you quit Malarkey and Myers to go to Chicago Second City? All these big risks. No, what happens, I went to Chicago, Toronto main stage. Uh, my dad got Alzheimer's. <laughs> so okay. he got said it's just true. And, I'm uh, so sorry, I asked you a question. Yeah, way to go. In a funny voice. <laughs> and what happened to your dad? Uh, he died. A miserable death staring out into space. You'd find this funny. Um, <laughs> I can laugh now. You know, it's okay, you know. Every Father's Day, you suckers have to get something. I know. That money goes right in my pocket. You know. So I'm good about it now. You know, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm happy. Happy days are here again. Yeah. I'm good. Anyways, that's what made me come back to Canada. And then they offered me, because uh, uh, I was in the touring company, and then they offered me main stage, and I did a main stage show. And... Uh, I did the character of Wayne Campbell there, which oh, yeah. was fun. Um, very kind. And um, uh, in the, uh, party on. <laughs> Monkeys may fly out of your butt. There's a plethora of things that they say. Um, and then I did stuff on Canadian TV. I did a show called It's Only Rock and Roll. I remember that. He's not lying. It's true. Thank you. Hey, remember that. Remember that. Forsooth, it is true. Uh, wait a second. I don't remember that. No, no. Not yet. Not yet. I don't know what you're talking about. And then how did you get to Chicago? Um, I went to Chicago because I, I always wanted to, to check it out. And I went there, but my immigration didn't come through. And so I worked with Del Close, the comedy legend. Yes. And... Um, I would do the improv set every night, like four or five different sets. I just wanted to stay sharp. And uh, Dell had this great thing of like, uh, Myers, I want you to come over a little later. We're having a, an interesting evening of creativity. I was like, fuck, I'm in. What the hell is that, right? And it's Thursday. Just bring something. Bring something early today. I think we're going to invoke a demon or something. I don't know. So I was like, okay. So I had nothing, right? And then I was homesick, and I thought, oh, fuck, I should get hockey cards, get caught up, you know, all the different players. So I read his fortune with my hockey cards. So I was like, as there are four parts in a man's life, there are four divisions. What's in your, Chuck, what's in your Norris division card? Interesting. It's a stay-at-home defenseman. That tells me that... And, and he loved it. He did. He, hey! He, no, laughed, you, he you... laughed it to the point where he had an emphysema attack. Oh. <laughs> and he was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> but that's not when he died. And then I called my brother Paul and I said, I almost killed Dal Close. He said, I think you're going to make it. That's what he said. Like that was a, a bar. Is it true you're playing Dal Close? I read that somewhere. It, yes. That, ah! Sorry, I keep screaming. I, I'll get calmer. Okay, We're near the end. I'll get calm when okay, it's too late. Well, well that's exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, um, uh, are you writing it or are you? No, just no, it's written. I just play him from 1997 to 1999. No, you do away. a perfect impression of him. Are you doing the perfect, or is that? Uh... No, I don't know. It's a perfect. I haven't really learned him working on it yet, but it's. Uh, <laughs> but everybody has a Dell. It's like when you work at Saturday Night Live, everyone has a Lorne. You're kind of issued it when you come into the thing. It's like the pinky goes here, and you do the. You know. Who was in the cast of uh, Chicago? Is it like, like famous people that will excite us? Bonnie Hunt. 
Um, <laughs> uh, Kevin, no, I, I, honestly, just because I'm, I have bronchitis. Um, I do. It's true. What type of bronchitis is it? In the gut. Thanks. <laughs> the chest kind. Thank you. We'll be coming back to you often in the show. And how, I guess it's probably something I could get, but how did you get Saturday Night Live? How did that happen? What an amazing thing. Um, so because I went to Chicago Second City, um, uh, Toronto Second City was having their 15th anniversary and they had alumni. So technically, I was an alumni of Second City, even though I was hired at Second City Chicago. And I was in the show and um, I did a couple of sketches and it, you can tell with the audience where they're kind of like, oh, who's that fucking skinny kid with red hair who's pale complected? I want to see Martin Short. I want to see Catherine O'Hara. And I fell into a plummetation at, at the intermission and Foley said, Mike, you're doing great, you know? <laughs> I said, no, I don't. And he goes, what do you got coming up? And I said, uh, Wayne's World. He goes, you'll be fine. <laughs> and so I started in the audience and it just fucking killed. It killed like a, like a, a train hitting. And it was, <laughs> it was like, it was getting laughs like this. And I was like, How, what the fuck happened? Because I was just, hum I was just like, they don't want to see the non-famous ones. You know, you just felt like an asshole. And then every sketch that I did did well. And then Dell had started the whole show with a monologue about the Reagan assassination, where um, he said, uh, my theory is that Ronald Reagan is a werewolf. He can't be killed by conventional weapons. You know? If only that fucking asshole had a silver bullet, we'd all be happy now. That was his whole thing, right? And so there was a game of freeze tag and somebody did that and I went freeze and I said, this time, Mr. Reagan, I have a silver bullet. Place went to dark, it was the end of the show. And then I got a call from Lauren Michaels. Wow. That's how it happened. Wow. Then it was like, and I thought it was my brother, Paul, because we always did Lauren Michaels impressions. <laughs> and uh, so I said, that's hilarious, Paul. He goes, who's Paul? <laughs> Paul Simon? Uh, <laughs> McCartney, do you know him? Do you know McCartney? No, I don't know my brother. What's going on? Well, we want to offer you a thing in the show. Is that something you'd want to do? <laughs> yes. And then my roommate said, who is it? And I, in chicken scratch, I warned, wrote, Lorne Michaels. <laughs> and then like, and they said loudly, who's Lorne Michaels? <laughs> You, mm -hmm. probably, you probably don't remember this, uh, but uh, the Kitson Hall, when we were, uh, Lauren flew us in 1989 to, uh, to his office to impress us, and it did. Yeah. And we signed, the, we didn't have to, but he flew us to New York to sign right. uh, for the pilot, or, or I guess for the series. Mm -hmm. And then we're, uh, we leave the office, the elevator opens, and you come out. And we had yes. no idea you were, and Mike, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I'm talking about maybe you're doing SNL. And it felt like for a brief second that Toronto was going to rule the world. It did, it did. <laughs> No, I was really happy to see you guys. Blue Good Pilot is a masterpiece. Have you ever seen the Kids in the Hall pilot? Like, I mean, the whole series is fantastic, but I'm not even kidding. Dave said, do you want to see the pilot? And I was like, sure, okay. You know, because that was also... Oh, yeah, we saw it at Hemelfarb's house. Yes, and I, <laughs> and I literally had the sensation of wanting to throw up. It was so good. I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, that's it. What the fuck could I do? They've done it. Those bastards have done it. It's a masterpiece. Well, thank it truly you. is. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. Uh, I always wanted to ask you this. 
anyone, but I know you the best of all these Saturday Night Live people. What's the first day of Saturday Night Live like? What, do you remember? Um, it's terrifying. Actually, the most illustrative or illustrative of it. Both words are good. Mary? In the gut. An aneurysm. The gut. Thank you. Um, was on my fourth show when I wrote Wayne's World for it. And this was my big gun because I'd done it on Canadian TV and whatever, and I got kind of hired for it. And um, I was nervous. I didn't have a handle for it. But it went in New- well, we're in New York right now. I thought we were in Toronto for a second. Sorry. Right. Here, Sorry. here in New York City, <laughs> Sorry. right? Wow, how did I get here? Um, I got Manhattan Cable, and right next to CNN was uh, Robin Bird, right? And I was like, you know... Uh, 977P, the extra E's for extra P. Now I'm from Toronto, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I'm thinking I hit like a porn channel or something, because it's all weird. And I thought, well, what if Wayne was on cable TV, right? Because oh. cable access was a big thing. So I, I wrote it on cable access, and um, I, I wanted to throw up, and I wrote it, and I, I put it on the pile. So in, that's our Night Live. There's the room where you do the read-through, and it's a big room, and there's a big desk in the middle of it, and there's a pile, a hand-in pile. So I wrote it on yellow pad and stapled it, hand-wrote it, the sketch, and I put it on the pile. An experienced writer, this is now 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was just like, what if they don't fucking laugh? I'm dead. An experienced writer came in, went to the pile, which I didn't know you could do, because in Canada you'd get your hands cut off if you went to the pile, right? <laughs> He went to the pile, and he started reading my sketch like this, and went... <laughs> looked in the back of it to see if that's where the funny was. Right? <laughs> and he took it, took it off the pile and put it on the read-through desk. And I was like, what the fuck? What does that mean? <laughs> he left. Another experienced writer came in and said, is this your sketch? I said, yeah. And he went, he read, and he went, no, no, it sucks. I was like, what? He goes, it sucks. It's not funny. You will never win over the table, like the read-through table, if you hand this thing in. And I said, okay, thanks, like that. <laughs> and he left it on the table, and I had the sensation of, uh, has anybody ever flown to, like, Japan? You know, when you're that kind of disoriented and <laughs> jet-laggy? And I was like... And something grabbed me like this, and I just went over, and I picked it up off the table, and I put it on the pile, and I went home. Wow. And I was just like, what the f- I, I'm dead. I'm just dead. It was the last sketch in the pack of the read-through. Oh, it was like 40 sketches. 40 right? sketches. At sketch 30, Lauren went, the sketches at the end to the host suck. Right? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> My sketch is number 40, the last sketch. And Lauren starts to eat at that time for the stage directions. He's eating popcorn, so it's like, oh, Wayne goes into the... And it's like... The jokes in the, in the fucking stage directions played. It was like, clicky, clicky. People are like this, starving out of their heads because it's now 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Then came to my sketch, and it fucking played. Wow. Which was weird. And then I, my sketch was in. And then that same writer... And then I did it like three other times. On the last show of the season... That same writer who had said it sucked don't hand it in, who I never talked to because the, the Scarborough in me came out with that guy. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? yeah? It sucks. Right? He came over and he said, uh, Mike, I want you to meet my brother. He's a big Wayne's World fan. Do you want to meet him? 
And I thought, fuck it, yeah, I don't want fights with anybody. <laughs> so I met him, I said, your brother's a genius. And that's, that's what Second Saturday Night Live's at. That's a great story. Long story, thank you for your patience. And the first Wayne's World, it was a hit right away, right? The first Wayne's World? No, it kind of was. I, the, the, um, Did I read that the next morning you were walking around and people were complimenting on it, or am I making that up? No, what I heard was I went to get a hot dog off uh, one of the Midtown hot dog things, and somebody was going, Wayne's World, Wayne's World. After one? After the first one? I was in that sketch. <laughs> Having said that, though, Four weeks later, and I had done Dieter, right, on the German yes. thing, right? Dieter, yes. If we have time, we'll talk about Dieter. A cab driver came and picked up, and he goes, where are you going? I said, uh, 30 Rock. Okay, great. Does he work there? I go, yeah. He goes, you a stagehand? I said, uh, no, I'm in the cast. You Dana Carvey? I said, no, I'm not Dana. He goes, what do you do? Right? And I'm thinking, what the fuck? I have to give him my resume. I said, uh, Waynesville. He goes, yeah, not funny. I said, what else do you do? I said, Dieter. He goes, the German guy? He goes, he goes so the joke is, he's German? <laughs> Kinda. And then I, I actually gave him a tip because I'm such a stupid Canadian asshole. <laughs> yeah, here you go, have a great day. Drive safe now. <laughs> joke is he's German. Uh, Dieter, yeah. I always, uh, I imagined that you came with that from, uh, from, uh, from, from waiters at Queen Street. Am I yeah, 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 the sort of... Queen Street is a street in Toronto. Yeah, it's very artsy kind of street, and it's sort of like, your order has become tiresome. <laughs> what? Okay. Time for you to leave now. You're young. I have a feeling they're going to say we're, we're, we're running out of time soon, so I'm going to jump ahead to Austin Powers. Yes. Now I become James Lipton, Austin Powers. Um, mm. Now, uh, though you thought of Wayne before Saturday Night Live, mm. thinking of characters when you're in the grind, when your mind's window is open to sketches, and you think of characters at the time, you can see that. But you thought of Austin Powers after Saturday Night Live, right? Yes. So, like, uh, how did that happen? You were walking around the house? Um, Austin Powers happened? My dad had just died. Yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> of what? <laughs> of the gut. Um, and uh, I was, if you see pictures of that time. Well, that's true, he really did just die, I'm sorry. No, he really did, he did. Just, uh, I'm sorry. And uh, he, he died in 1991, and I wrote it in 1993, because I wrote two movies. I wrote one about the Battle of Britain, a comedy about the Battle of Britain, and the other one was about um, uh, the wrong kind of 60s, not the 60s of, um, that Americans would know, you know, like... Uh, Volkswagen, Van, Woodstock. There was not a, a, a hint of Paisley in it. And uh, I wrote it, and he, the guy was rich, he was English, and all the studios were like, you don't want to do that. And they were like, mm, I do. <laughs> but, but New Line went, oh my God, I love it, don't change a thing. This was Mike DeLuca at New Line, so, which was fantastic. And um, wow. they bankrolled it, and we made it. But, but how do you think of the character? Like, they, they, like, they, like you're in your bathtub? Because yeah. around 1992, it occurred to me, because I'm, you know, 53 and around that time, whatever, I was like, what the fuck happened to swingers, you know? <laughs> Weren't we supposed to be having sex on a jetpack and, you know, what the fuck? Because everything was eroticized. It's like, she's from Sweden. <laughs> she's a stewardess, you know? And then all of a sudden people were like, yeah, that's creepy, stop doing that. <laughs> so just Rip Van Winkle, 
A lot of Sleeper. The movie Sleeper was a big influence. Great movie. But he went to the future and uh, great movie got a big laugh. Great movie. Because <laughs> it's like saying Hitler was a madman. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hitler, he was a madman. Good point. Never occurred to me until you put it in that context. Um, it is a great movie, Sleeper. And, but that was in the future from the present. And I, anyways, whatever. But, and was it a character that you've done before? No, I just had started to do this thing to make people uncomfortable by saying, do I make you horny? <laughs> and people go, what? Up to you, am I Eros Manifest? Do I make you randy? I, I'm sure they're going to stop this interview any second, but I just okay. remember, uh, Wayne, it was a sketch. It, yes. was, it, was, it, was like a, it was a brilliant sketch. It was like oh, a Romeo you. and Juliet kind of sketch, wasn't it? A, a second city in Toronto. Yes. It was a, yeah. That, did you ever do that sketch on the show? No. No, I just made it cable access, and then... Well, that's the I, know, I said that about ten minutes ago. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right, you said that was the first one. Yes, sorry, sorry. Another thing about Lauren. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a great sketch. Oh, thank you. Do you ever think of doing the old Second City sketches? I don't know why I'm asking that. That's a crazy question. Uh, doing, like, a best of uh, no. all your sketches? No, <laughs> not really. Um, I, uh, I like doing... It, it, I, I used to love to improvise, but then the cell phone camera video emerged and then it became impossible I was on stage uh, at um, Magnet Theater and somebody, bless you and bless you what does she have? bronchitis in the chestal area um, and somebody on stage, a very funny young female comedian said I, and I was like, so where, where had you been tonight? right, that was the first line she said, I just got back from being kick fucked And I said, oh, to be American, right? That was my line. But then I saw on YouTube, Mike Myers endorses kick-fucking. And I was like, oh, well, goodbye, improv. <laughs> I salute you. So. Yes, and. Yeah, yes, and, yeah. Yes, and. Yes, yes. Yes, fuck, and. Yes I and. can't do that anymore. Uh, yeah. Yes, and. <laughs> uh, Okay, I'm sure we're near the end. I keep expecting the lights to go off. So tell me about the book. I'm going to read the book uh, when it, I finish doing The book is about uh, Canada. It's called uh, Canada. <laughs> yes. And, um, and what, what got you to write it? Um, uh, uh, Penguin Random House Canada said, you know, Canada's 150 years old this year, which we are. It's our sesquicentennial. 150 years young. I remember the hundreds. But we, we have a body of an 80-year-old. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you. You're seriously too kind. Um, and uh, I thought I'm, I wanted to um, talk about my 53-year relationship with Canada because there's no one more Canadian than a Canadian who no longer lives in Canada. And um, I just wanted to, you know... For some reason, my Canadianness is important to me, and I've had American friends accuse me of enjoying being Canadian. And I thought, I do. I actually do enjoy it. And I don't know what it is, because it's a very subtle and nuanced country, but I, I will have to say this about Canada, is that I don't think there's another country in the world that tries to get it right as much as Canada does. We don't always do. And it's true. I think we do. And That's true. And we're... We may not have a banjo like Americans, and we may not have put a man on the moon, but we've been awfully nice to the man on Earth. So that's what I like to think about. Canada. One last question. Is this the happiest time of your life? You have a it is the happiest time of my life, yes. <laughs> I thought so. It is. That's no, I sense that from you. Yeah. 
I see you every seven years. Yes. And you're always happy. Yes. But this seems the like. I have three fantastic kids, and you know, it changes your. I mean, it's such a cliche, but it really does change and give you perspective of everything. So. I'm childless. Mike Myers, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Myers. I'm so excited. I was I came early to the sound check because I love these guys. Ladies and gentlemen, we are scientists. Alright. Uh, this one's a cover.
interesting. I want you to buckle when you think of me. I wish I could bottle everything you need. I'm promising something that I wish you'd see. I want you to buckle when you think of me. I want you to buckle when you see. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks to Kevin for having
Been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com.